0: Well, that is just almost a perfect song to sing before we get into the passage tonight, because that focuses our mind on the message that Jesus, in the very first verse we're going to look at tonight If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. And talking about um, our love for him and how we will forsake our sin. Because of our love for Him. That is exactly how Jesus is going to describe His followers uh, tonight. You turn to John chapter 14 as we continue in the study of the Gospel of John tonight, beginning at verse 15. And we were not here last week, so a reminder where we've been is even more important. And Jesus is imparting to his disciples some very, very important things, some information that they desperately need before he departs from them in a very vivid fashion. And they are troubled. They are at the end. They finish the meal of the Last Supper. They don't know yet that it's the Last Supper. Let's be clear on that, that Passover meal that they're sharing together Judas has left, and they're not real sure, confused on what that's all about, except for it seems John the Apostle, the beloved disciple. And he certainly is troubled by the realization that Judas is the betrayer. Peter's troubled because in his enthusiasm, Jesus has had to dampen that with The realization, the truth that soon that Peter will um, not betray him, but will not own up to his relationship, will deny him his relationship with Jesus. And so Peter's troubled and the rest of them in, in the midst of all this are troubled because Jesus is now saying that he's going away and where he's going, they cannot come. And that is the exact opposite of what they had expected. Jesus is not subservient to our expectations his father's agenda is what he is subservient to and what and and who he humbles himself before in that way and their expectation the disciples were that he was gonna they were gonna be with him and he was gonna establish his earthly kingdom and he was going to um, portray and reveal who he was to the entire world and they were ready for that now to hear that They were going to be separated was shocking to them, and they are deeply troubled over this. And tonight, as we continue, we're going to see Jesus gives a wonderful encouragement. I don't know, this morning was an important message, but there was a lot of negative aspects involved. We did see God's grace in the end, but talking about God's judgment um, can be overwhelming sometimes. But tonight, folks, as you leave here tonight, I'm glad to be able to provide you a comfort, a reminder of who you have with you at all times as we head out into a week filled with unknowns in a dark world. We, too, can have this comfort that Jesus will give an encouragement to his disciples. They're troubled about his immediate future. And he has called them to continue to have faith in him and believe in his unique relationship with the Father. Remember, he's given them more details than ever, that he is actually in the Father, and the Father is in him, the indwelling, the deity, the Trinity here. And the depths of this certainly boggled their minds, that Jesus could be in the Father, the Father could be in him. But Jesus says, believe, believe in my unique relationship with the Father. And then remember, he told them that he was going to do even greater works in them if they will but ask him to do it. So what do you think the next natural question in their minds would be after hearing that? Well, it would be something like this. Lord, how can we ask for your help to do greater works than you? To do greater works than you? How is that possible? And remember what we said about that. We're talking about gospel witness that will spread through Jesus' power working through them. But they don't understand all this yet. How can we ask for your help to do greater works than you if you're not even going to be with us? How is that possible? And Jesus will now explain the role of one called, the Greek word is the paraclete. Spirit of truth that will be sent to them to enable further spiritual growth than they ever could have imagined or anticipated. Jesus is going to tell them tonight of the coming of one that will call the paraclete. And we'll just read beginning at verses 15 through 17 here. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, I know many of your translations has a lot of different comforter. Some even just use it as paraclete, keep it the Greek. We'll explain all that. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Father. Help us to truly have understanding, and Lord, let let us be encouraged tonight and comforted of the one that Jesus promised that he would ask the Father to send to them and would provide them even greater opportunities for spiritual growth and for help and for counsel than could even be provided during his earthly ministry. Lord, the encouragement for us tonight is is that we already have access to this um, paraclete. We don't have to wait for him like the disciples did. We have him. For those that are followers of Jesus who have trusted in him, we have his ministry in us every day. And we'll have it for all eternity. Let this be our joy and our comfort tonight. As we so desperately need wisdom on a daily basis, an hourly basis in the things that we face in this dark world today, let us be comforted in the midst of our troubles by the knowledge that we have the spirit of truth residing in us that will lead us in the right way. When we listen to him, help us to be motivated to listen to him more carefully as he guides us. And this we ask in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Jesus is providing encouragement by talking now about the coming of the Paraclete. And first of all, in verses 15 through 20, we'll see Jesus will provide a capable helper for his followers. He will actually ask the Father to send a devoted, a capable advocate for his people. And beginning in verse 15, Remember, again, he has just said in verse 13 and 14 that he will do greater works than these because he is going away. And that if they ask for his help, that he will do these things. And now he's going to explain how that can be possible. How can you do these things through us, Jesus, if you're not even going to be here? And Jesus explains, well, let me tell you. But first of all, he reminds them, as we've already said, what a true follower looks like. This is not some sort of works theology that if in order to truly be a follower, a disciple, that we will keep his commandments. But this is, he is reminding his disciples of the true nature of his followers. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is the true nature, the true characteristic of a follower of Jesus, that they will be obedient in one way or another, that they will have a love for obedience that they will show their love of him through their obedience to him. And even though they haven't even realized it yet, they've had an example of one among them, Judas the betrayer, that has just proved that he really didn't have love for Jesus because he didn't have any interest in being obedient to him and is about ready to betray him. And later on, they'll fully realize what this means. This is something that we encourage with Our boys, this truth that sometimes as we have to deal with things in their lives that are problems and sin and these things, especially when it's something egregious, many times talk to our boys and mention, do you really have a desire to obey God? A believer has a desire to obey him. Now, you're not going to do that perfectly, but maybe in this situation, I don't see that desire for obedience, and that concerns me. Because Jesus is clear. Those that are truly his, that have put their faith, that are trusting in him, that are his followers, they will have a desire to want to obey him. And they won't do it perfectly. Well, one day we will. But they'll want to. They'll have a desire for that. They'll obey his commandments. And the blessings then of that is that Jesus will ask. In the King James, it says pray. He will pray. A petition and ask his father personally that his father will give his followers what they need in his absence. And he says, my father will then give you another. And here we have our word. The Greek word is parakleton, or you could say paraclete. <clears throat> and this is translated in different um, versions in different ways. In the King James Version, it's called the Comforter. In many versions, it's called the Helper. And you might even have a note that says Advocate and Counselor. That's because, folks, when Jesus says that that he's going to pray that the Father will send this person, there's so many blessings and so many aspects to what this person does that it really is hard to sum it up in one word. That's why some, um, that's why some, versions just use more of a generic helper word to describe this because it kind of overarches everything that this helper will do All right i know we're a little distracted <laughs> i'm sure it's just fireworks <clears throat> we'll try to do the best we can to stay focused though um what is this Paraclete? What does he do? What, what is his purpose and why is it so important? Well, Jesus is revealing a tremendously being He's giving them information, is another helper, and he's saying that it's a helper like himself, that this person that the Father will send will do the same types of things that Jesus has done for them already. Jesus has already been their paraclete and done many of these things. And this person will continue that ministry after he is gone physically from them. In other words, this helper who is like Jesus will provide the same spiritual help, even though Jesus physically won't be with them anymore. This helper will provide it in an even more intensive internal fashion. He will come alongside, really that word "paraclete" in the Greek means to come alongside to provide aid and support for the followers of Jesus Christ. I'm sure you've seen in many companies and many online um, services an ad for 24-hour help and support, especially for computer problems or software problems or glitches or all these types of things. And some companies are pretty good at following through on that, and some do it horribly. And if you've ever been on the phone with one of those companies that don't do it so well, and you can tell, right, as you get on the phone and you type in the number, and there's, there's a pause, and you can tell that the computer answering machine is is turning on and you get this automated voice. And as soon as you get the automated voice, you think right away, I don't think this is going to be a very good experience. And then you have to click through like a dozen numbers till you finally get to talk to a real person. And then um, many times you can kind of tell that maybe that person is overseas. (laughs) And sometimes they're a little harder to understand. And as you look back on that website that promises all this wonderful support at all times, And then sometimes what these websites will do as well, they'll acknowledge that, you know what, if you call us, you may not get the help you need right away, but you can do this automated little helper right here on the bottom of the website. And you can just click on that and a person will automatically type back a message for you. And if you've ever done that, they'll come up and it'll say, how may I help you today? Almost like it's real. And I've always wondered, I don't know, is there really another person on the other side of this or is it all automated? I don't know. The... The um, way that computers, the technology that we have today is so amazing and is so, um, uh, there's this particular word I'm trying to think of, intuitive, intuitive, that is almost scary what computers can do in response to your questions. But a lot of times, folks, even though there's a promise of constant aid and support, those promises fall far short of our expectations. But folks, here is a promise that Jesus is giving to his disciples that they can fully trust and they can fully depend upon, that they can depend upon any time, day or night, this paraclete, this helper will provide their help and the aid and the support that they need. Well, he's far more than just a helper, helper or comforter. And the King James and, and some other versions it uses the word comforter. And I think originally Tyndale, William Tyndale used this word in his English translation. And at the time, it referred to someone who provides strength and support. And that's a good um, description of this paraclete. But it's kind of a context that's lost to us in English today. When we think of comforter, we think of somebody that will console and will soothe. But there's so much more. Because this paraclete or helper will do so much in aiding us, helping us in our spiritual walk. The Greek word in the time of the New Testament actually had a more forensic connotation. It was the idea of a witness advocate. And I have a book here that I'd like to recommend on the Holy Spirit. One that uh, they mandated us to purchase in seminary. It's by Sinclair Ferguson. Holy Spirit. It's not a a huge book, but I found this over the years to be very helpful in understanding the role of the spirit. Uh, Floyd and I have talked many times about how it seems like there's been a lack of teaching about the spirit and who he is and his role and his function. And so books like this are certainly helpful. And Floyd has mentioned some others that he's been studying. And it is a real benefit and help. Folks, if we want to get the full encouragement and comfort of what Jesus is saying here, we need to understand the role of this paraclete, the Holy Spirit, in our lives. And this um, scholar, Sinclair Ferguson, says this in this aspect of who this paraclete, what he does in this witness advocate role, he says, in New Testament times, trials were conducted not by lawyers acting for the prosecution and the defense, but by a judge eliciting the truth from witnesses who came forward with evidence in such a context the advocate or defense counsel sought by an accused person was not a highly trained professional like the lawyers that we have to spend all hundreds of dollars to you know uh, hire today but it was literally just someone who would vindicate him or her by telling the truth an eyewitness and or character witness was what was required Someone whose relationship to the accused enabled him to speak with authority, an intimate friend rather than a person professionally trained in law. I've never had to hire a lawyer, kind of glad for that. But lawyers are good at what they do, but my understanding is they don't always come across as personable and understanding and uh, sympathetic. Maybe sometimes they do, I, I don't know, but not all of them. But this that Jesus is describing is always sympathetic toward our cause. He's in our corner, folks. He's not in it for the money, but he's in it because of his love for us and because he's been sent of the Father. So the Holy Spirit then, this paraclete in this role will provide, provide intercessory ministry through prayer. And we have many Passages in the scriptures that talk about how the Holy Spirit will help us as we pray. He'll intercede for us. He's a type of advocate. But this legal definition, it's still not adequate to cover everything that this paraclete will do. Another scholar describes his ministry as the convergence of three themes he is a witness that vindicates and judges, he points out things that we need to correct, right? He also is a helper and an aide. He's a counselor and a teacher. You see how with all those things that a paraclete does, it's hard to come up with one word that describes all of that. And all the versions in one way or another kind of struggle with that. Maybe it's just better to say the coming of the paraclete and explain what that means. But here another scholar puts it very simply. He is a friend that does whatever is necessary to forward our best interests. Jesus is going to leave us with a friend who is always looking out for our best interests, not our wants, but what we need. What a wonderful encouragement that this is as we continue on here. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells abides with you and will be in you. Here's another name. Jesus has just said that when this helper comes, this comforter, this paraclete, he will abide with you forever. He will be with you for eternally. Once you get this help, he'll always be with you. You won't ever lose him. What a promise. And then he refers to him as the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells or abides with you and will be in you. Here is a second. This advocate, a second description of him is that he is the spirit of truth. Now, isn't that interesting? Who else has been described as the truth in this book? The Father is the truth, the Son is the truth, and now. The Spirit is the truth. And this points to the fact then that He is deity as well. The Trinity is the truth. And the Spirit literally is the truth. And that means He is fully capable of guiding us in God's truth. He is the guide that we need in every situation that we face. Whether even if it's something simple, like trying to, figure out a business venture, and should I go ahead and participate in this, or should I consider this new job, or um, I'm facing some real difficulties with, with another person and some um, tribulation, um, some persecution. Lord, how should I handle this? How sh- What should I do in these situations? Lord, our political situation continues to get more and more oppressive and dark, and we may lose our freedom soon. In many respects, what do we do? And we go to this paraclete, the spirit of truth, and he will guide us and show us God's truth and principles for how we can react in literally every situation. So here are these disciples who are troubled. Jesus is leaving them. Jesus says, It's okay. Got someone that's got your back, and he will be able to lead you in my truth and the truth of the Father, because he is truth too. He's a gift, but he's a gift that's only given to the children of the Father. He points out here, it's not possible for the unbelieving world to interact or even detect the Spirit. Now, one caveat from that is, apart from his illuminating work in enabling spiritually dead people to comprehend the gospel, that is the Spirit's work as well. But besides that, folks, the world has no understanding of this spirit of truth, of this wonderful paraclete. They can't even detect him. They can't even sense his presence. No, this is a wonderful gift to the followers of Jesus Christ, that he offers them a wonderful gift of hope. They have his true followers, the divine help of the spirit, and they have it with them. Isn't it interesting here? He says, the world neither sees him or knows him. They they have no way to detect him at all. But Jesus says, you know him, for he dwells or abides, he says, with you. Now, we know, right, in the timing of this, that Jesus has not died. He's not resurrected. The Spirit has not come on the day of Pentecost and indwelled his disciples. It would become the apostles, his followers. So in what sense here is Jesus describing, you know him now? Well, the Holy Spirit has always been at work, has he not? Even in the Old Testament, we have um, accounts of God providing the Spirit, the Spirit coming upon leaders and those that are fulfilling his purposes. The Spirit's power has always been available. And the Spirit's power in one sense or another has been with the disciples, as Jesus has called them to ministry, and they have done miraculous things. If you'll remember in the synoptics, um, not as much in John, but in the synoptics, it focuses on Jesus giving them opportunities to um, minister in his stead, and they perform miracles in these things. That's the power of the Spirit, but it's the power with them. Notice it's not in them yet. The Holy Spirit is with them, enabling them. And so Jesus says, this person isn't strange to you. It's not like somebody you've never met before. But you don't know him as well as what you will know him. Because in the future, he will be in you. He will indwell you. What a marvelous, marvelous truth. Well, the response to that might be from his disciples. Well, that's all in good, Jesus. But we want you. We want your presence. We don't want you to leave us. And Jesus as well points out that they don't have to worry about that. He will provide an inward sense of his presence. In verse 18, I will not leave you. In some versions, it says comfortless, but the Greek word there really means as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. This picture here is of children that have lost their parents. And we all know the tragic nature of that. If you've ever visited an orphanage, maybe in a foreign country or whatever, and seen children that don't have any parents at all, and they're um, together in this in this large um, ministry or, or building or, or government program, where they're just a number or they're a face, but they don't really have that loving relationship with parents and maybe not the care that they need, and they're, they feel hopeless. And there are many children in um, the um, government system today that are orphans or that are, have been kept away from their parents, even in our country that don't have the love that comes from loving parents. And this may also have the idea of, of a child losing one parent or another. And the awful hole that leaves. And Jesus knows that with these men that he's going to leave a hole in his absence. And so he's comforting them as children. He's saying, I'll be back. I will come to you again. Now the world will see me no more. And he's been telling the world that, Right. His earthly ministry is coming to an end. The, the, those, the, the world, the unbelieving world, has limited opportunity to experience him in his earthly ministry. And when he dies and is resurrected, the world will see him, that unbelieving world, no more. But Jesus says, you'll see me again. What wonderful hope we have here. And he says here, because I live, you also will live. We're going to see more of what he means by that next week. But folks, listen, we have an even greater experience of hope than the disciples had. We have the full experience of the spirit dwelling within us right now. We have access to all of his counsel and his advocacy and his care and his friendship. And so many times we get filled and and troubled and distracted from our relationship with him, that we forget to go to him and ask for his help, to ask for the aid, the ministry of the paraclete, to ask Jesus for his help and a sense of his presence. Jesus tells us today that his Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is ready to work in our lives too when we submit and we recognize and we ask for help. So with all of this, that that paraclete, the Holy Spirit, The spirit of truth can do. What is our response? It's as Jesus says that we gladly obey and submit and depend upon him in gratitude for this indwelling. How grateful are you for the work of the spirit in your life this past week? Hopefully a little more this next week as we go forward and are reminded that whatever we face, we have the ultimate helper, the ultimate advocate the powerful paraclete who will guide us in the way that we need to go. And he will also give us the sense of Jesus presence with us. And Jesus says to us as well, I haven't really left. I'm with you. So let's go forward. And you be faithful to me and obey me until I come and return? Or let this be a wonderful promise to us. We need these type of encouraging words. We're troubled too. We look forward to the day that we'll see Jesus again. We look forward to that. In the meantime, we're so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit to guide us in the truth, the truth of your word, that he will illuminate your scriptures as we read and as we seek your direction and guidance and understanding that he is within us and dwelling us. and will guide us and show us the way. Thank you for this wonderful comfort that Jesus gives to his disciples in times past and today as well. And let us go forward in hope, ready to obey you, empowered by the guidance of the Spirit. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.